0: Kelly Hunt.
1: Good to see you today.
0: Great to see you, man.
1: Yes. Well, I'm very glad to spend some time with you today to talk about uh, developing and deploying our children, what that looks like, and some lessons that you've learned. Before we jump in, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey at Grace and where you're at?
0: Sure. Sure. Well, I'm Kelly Hunt. Uh, I've been married for 27 years to a wonderful young lady named Candy. Yes. We have three children. Uh, I've got two girls and one boy who is my oldest.
1: Yeah, that's right. And you are at the Powdersville campus.
0: That's correct. Been there for about 12 years, uh, working the Mosaic ministry, uh, as well as lead a community group there.
1: Yeah, man, I'm grateful for the influence that you have. So many guys that I've met like, hey, I'm in Kelly Hunt's group. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) there's a lot of people in your group. I don't know. A lot of guys have said that recently. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, well, man, we've had some fun conversations recently. We started this whole conversation off with, I, we had for men's round table, I had shared some stuff. I was vulnerable men's round table about, one of my children and some of the tension that I was having. And then you, and I was really appreciative of it. You reached out to me and said, Hey man, let's go get something coffee, lunch, something. And we sat down and you really began to share some things with me from your experience, which I really appreciated and have been trying to put some of those things in motion. We've been talking back and forth. It's been good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
1: And so I thought what we could do is maybe before we kind of jump into some of the thoughts that we've been wrestling with is maybe you, you had shared some insights not long ago with me regarding the story of the prodigal son so maybe you could just kind of begin there and then we can jump into some further dialogue.
0: Sure sure uh, one of the things that I had noticed um, as I was raising my children that a lot of their decisions or their outcomes um, positively affect me maybe more than it should and negatively certainly mm-hmm. would affect me more than it should. And so I just started to really work on that and look at that. And it was through a mentoring relationship that somebody said, hey, let's walk through the prodigal son and spent some time and reading that for the first time under a new perspective showed me that good people, good kids can make bad decisions. And the prodigal son is a perfect example of that. And so as he walked away and then did what he did with his inheritance and his life, that it shows how deep in despair he went. And when he came to himself, he realized that his servants, his father's servants had, you know, a better life than he did. And so he took up and had a job working with, at the, you know, the most despicable um, animals possible to them as well as the food that they were being fed. And it clearly says that though he wanted it, no one gave him any. And I began to realize that this young man had good attributes. Mm. You know, he realized that he had made a mistake. He was trying to correct that and provide for himself Mm. and that he was honest. And then the most telling part was when he returned, he found his father right where he had left him, Mm. right over the hill. And that was very um, just a teachable moment for me, and it affected how you know I saw my own children um, and the stability that that story provided, as well as realizing that great people can make bad decisions, mm-hmm. but they need anchors in their life to be able to return to to be restored.
1: Mm. Yeah. And so when, yeah, and that was encouraging when I first heard you share a little bit about that when we met and some of that conversation, but you began to talk about the difference between being a coach and really an authoritative parent, which, you know, I don't think any of us would think that we're authoritative parents, but in a way we are authoritative (laughs) parents. So for those of us that are listening that have children, you mentioned that you have three. And so in our relationship, as we were talking, we both have boys, young men that are in college. Yes. So talk to us a little bit about this mindset of a coach and how, and what we were talking about that morning.
0: Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, as a parent in those young, formidable years, you do have times where you have to be authoritative. Mm-hmm. You have to tell them for their own safety do not go out into the road, you know, do not touch that, you know, though they might not understand it, they have to respect that you're doing it in their best interest. That's right. As they get older, especially males, you know, they're going to begin to flex and they're going to be, you know, growing and they're going to want to push the boundaries, um, establish respect um, not only amongst their peers, but, but parents and Mm -hmm. everybody else. And so I began to really combine my 18 years of coaching um, at different levels, primarily basketball and, and football, looking at, you know, the coach's perspective and how I can apply some of that, the stuff that I knew worked in mm-hmm. coaching to my own son. And I began to realize as he got older that he need more mentoring and more coaching and probably less of authoritarian, you know, coming down and with a list of do's and don'ts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I remember when we talked about, you said that this was really about a for them uh, versus a us mentality. Do you want to mention anything about that? Or Yeah. Or I mean, we, you know, when
0: they're young, it's it's really about who they are in the family, mm-hmm. you know, and who they represent um, and being respectful. And then as they got older, yeah, the, the dynamic changed because as a coach, I began to see it's not about me. Mm. It's really about who they can be. Mm-hmm. You know, how can I you know, instill in them and be patient with them and, and hopefully instill in them some things that were going to help long after I'm gone. Yeah. You know, that have been helpful to me. I wish I would have known this 30 years ago. How can I do that in a way that's um, you know, coming at it from a perspective, no different than when a coach is in practice and saying, Hey, we'd be more successful if you did this, or if you were here when the ball came or you shot this shot. It, yeah. You know, I use that same mentality with him as he's gotten older and then, of course, going to college.
1: Yeah, that's good. So this seems to be a type of a mindset that we need to have. So help us as as fathers, as men, uh, as, as we're kind of trying to put this into play, like what is a coach and how do we develop this type of mindset? Sure. So
0: in my coaching you know, career, you know, I've really tried to, to, to assess and really do the most work during halftime. And I think I've carried that over into parenting. So at halftime, I spent a couple of minutes by myself figuring out, okay, what worked, Mm -hmm. you know, and celebrate that what didn't work and how are we going to fix it? Mm -hmm. What's confusing. There's always something that I can tell one or two players, or maybe my whole team is confused about, Mm -hmm. you know, and what's missing, you know, what's the secret ingredient that we might not have. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's enthusiasm, attitude, effort, execution, whatever. And then I go and tell the team, you know, Hey, we've got these three or four things we need to correct. Mm -hmm. Um, and we need to do better on or we're doing really well in this. So pouring that over to a coach is really having the the, the mentality of the coach is never going to get out on the court and perform. Mm -hmm. You know, that's... That you, you can't do that. You yeah. might want to do that, <clears throat> yeah. but you can't do that. That's right. And um, in, in parenting, as they get older, you really have to have that mindset that it's really, you can give them the fundamentals. You can, you can give them, you know, all of the attributes that will hopefully make them successful in life and relationships. And you have to come at it from that perspective. And you have to be patient. You know, you have to be um, tolerant. You Mm. also have to be there committed 100% of the time because as I've played basketball from six years old through college, I never looked over on the sideline and was missing my coach. Mm. He was always right right where I left him. Mm. And so when I needed something, I knew exactly where to go. And when he was missing something, he knew where to go. Mm. And so I've just kind of poured that into my own son because I knew our relationship needed to migrate from being more of authoritarian to more of a mentor and mm-hmm. just a coach being able to say, Hey, look, this is what you can be. These are the decisions that are in front of you. How can I equip him to be able to make those decisions? Not only now, but in the future in the next three to five years.
1: Yeah. So halftime is important. You talked about answering some questions, you know, what's working, what's not working, what's missing, what's confusing, and then coaching versus being authoritative. So Let's go back, help us understand when was the light bulb moment for you for the first halftime?
0: <laughs> well, there's lots of halftimes, but I think one of the biggest things, um, one of the aha moments actually occurred with one of my daughters. Okay. Um, one with my daughter and one with my son. With my daughter, she was an early driver Okay. and she got into an accident and no parent Wants that phone call, no. you get a phone call from somebody you don't know that tells you that your daughter's been in an accident. Mm-hmm. So not knowing what was involved and how it was involved, you know, I, of course, rush to the scene and my daughter's crying and she has at fault on the accident. Yeah. She ran into the back end of somebody. Mm-hmm. So, you know, me immediately knee jerk reaction is, is to be very upset You know, um, apologizing to whoever else was involved Mm -hmm. and and really, you know, trying to to not overreact because my tendency at times is to overreact. A lot of coaches have that have that issue. Um, But I actually sat on the curb and I just let her cry Mm. and I listened to everything that had happened the whole entire morning. You know, that stuff that didn't even have any effect on it whatsoever. I let her get it all out. And I think as she saw me deal with that and lead not only at the accident scene Mm -hmm. of accepting the responsibility and apologizing to the people we needed to apologize to accepting the tickets, getting the car taken care of to this day. And this was six years ago that she still remembers that conversation as being a turning point in our relationship Mm -hmm. because she says that because I listened to her and did not judge her at that moment now mm-hmm. she paid you know mm-hmm. a, a penalty for the accident but at that time just by being listening and and letting her be heard yeah. um, really I think set the tone for other conversations that she knew she could come to me with and like we joke about we've talked about some things that I did not want to talk about <laughs> in her teenage years mm-hmm. um, but we have had those conversations and a lot of it is because she knows I'm coming from a place where I want to listen first um, but I'm going to tell her the truth and then what she does with that is completely up to her Um, and so that was really a turning point for us. And I've applied that to my younger daughter Mm -hmm. much earlier, just sitting with her, asking her about how her day was and not being preoccupied with anything else. My Mm -hmm. job, my life, my phone, anything. And we just, you know, spend time together and set time aside where it's just her and I going and doing something frivolous, but spending quality time where I can listen to both of my girls and with my son. I think where he established, you know, where he wanted to do some things on his own when he left home. And he was very clear about that. And he did that as a means of attempting to establish, I guess, more respect. Mm -hmm. um, Some of the, some of those things, which some men do, but as we have continued our relationship, he and I have committed to doing about two trips a year where it's just he and I, and we go away and we just spend time. And I use those times to just basically pour in some type of mentoring. We Mm. might talk about a relationship with an accountant that he might need after he gets out of college or, you know, what a lawyer can do for him or where to live, you know, listening to all of those things and giving him my opinion. Um, And that has led us to where now, four years ago, he would have never come to me with some of the things he's coming and asking my opinion about. Mm. But I think we've established that relationship where, again, he knows that I'm available that I'm willing to listen. Um, the advice I'm giving him is coming from a coach's perspective. I'm not telling yeah. him what to do. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling him, hey, I've been on a similar field, mm-hmm. and I, this is how I played it. These were the pros. These were the cons. Yeah. Some of it didn't work out, and I'm transparent enough to tell him my failures. Yeah. Um, and so that hopefully he can avoid some of those obstacles, but at the same time that he can experience some of those victories maybe quicker um, and more efficiently than I did.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're inspiring me to want to be more of a coach. And when we, when we sat that first time and I said, man, what would be some ways that I could jumpstart this? One of the suggestions that you gave me was to be vulnerable and to be honest and to try to get in front of my son, child and, and, and solve a problem together. So Mm -hmm. I remember I went away, I met with my oldest son, I was going through something at the time I met with my son and I just said, Hey man, well, first of all, I texted him. Right. And I I was like, Hey, (laughs) I need to talk to you about something. I need to get your opinion. Right. And he was like, sure. And, And I remember he texted me. He was like, is everything okay? And I was like, yeah, man, everything's okay. I just want to get your thoughts on something. And so we met and you know, it was a, it was a pretty big decision that I wanted to make. And I remember one of the things that I did is I, Actually, in this conversation, helping him think through this with me, I actually told him how much money I make. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, this is my salary. This is how much money I make. Um, I want you to know that because that'll help you help me think. And, you know, laid out the, the problem. And he was like, he, I remember it was funny because he was like, hey, can I go to the bathroom real quick? This was like the second time he <laughs> go to the bathroom during our time. He goes, he comes back and he's like, hey, dad, um, I'm going to pray about that because this is a hard thing to kind of figure out. I don't really know what you should do. And so, but we did that. And then I remember leaving and I remember, I remember messaging you immediately. I was like, you're not going to believe what I did. So it was cool to celebrate that with you. But so why do I share that? I share that because it's just, how do we, how do we, how do commission us? Like, how do we jumpstart this with our son, our daughter to be the kind of coach and have this kind of mindset? I, I think
0: where that idea came from is I learned that sometimes When you're coaching a basketball game, the most likely thing you're not going to do is to take out your star player. But I have found that sometimes taking your star player out and letting them not only get the rest they need, but being able to get a different perspective as they sit on the sideline and watch. But even the most important thing is when I've walked down to the end of the, the bench and gotten to that person and said, what are you seeing out there? The look on their face and the demeanor changes when they realize that as the coach, I'm wanting their opinion. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what we do in a game, flexibility and changing or pivoting on an idea has come from a player that when you take them out is saying, hey, 22 is doing this. Mm -hmm. Oh, I haven't seen that. Mm -hmm. So for me going to my son, um, I'm a small business owner Mm -hmm. and I brought him in. I wanted him to feel some tension. And I wanted him, when we were economically challenged and we had things of the recession going on, Mm -hmm. and then we had um, the pandemic going on, that those things really impacted our business. Mm -hmm. So to bring him in is like when I would take a player out and be able to say, hey, I need to tell you some things. I'm I'm not really clear on what's going to happen, but I want you to know about it because you're a part of my team. Yeah. And seeing his demeanor change, the seriousness by which he took it. Um, and I don't think it, it was because he thought it was going to be so negatively impacting on him personally. But I could see that he was realizing some of the real things I was going through. Yeah. You know, a lot of times we just hide that. Mm-hmm. You know, we just ride around. Oh, it, it's okay. Everything's fine. When it's not okay. Mm-hmm. So when they get out they don't have that tension to experience. So it's a lot more to overcome when they have a financial burden or something's not working out relationally or something's not working out economically or professionally. And so I've, you know, went to him on occasion, especially him Mm -hmm. and said, Hey, this is a real deal and this is where we're at and this is how the whatever is impacting us. Mm -hmm. So I've got some real decisions to make. I want you to be aware. If you have any advice, I'm listening, you know, I respect you and I want to know, you know, what your thoughts are about it and whether they give me good advice or not, like you had asked when me and you talked, you were like, well, am I obligated to take that advice? You're not just like, I'm not as a coach. You know, I might, I might disagree with what the player is saying, but Um, But being vulnerable enough to share those things that are impacting you and your family and your spouse, Mm -hmm. I think is valuable because in three years, five years or whenever, um, you know, my son chooses to marry and have a family, Mm -hmm. he can draw from those experiences that he knows, well, my dad faced something similar, you know. Yeah.
1: That's good. Speaking of your wife, Candy, you mentioned her earlier, like how have you worked with Candy to partner together? Because coaching is not easy. So how have you commissioned her, encouraged her to partner with you as a coach?
0: (laughs) Uh, I you know what we basically have is, as any head coach will say, you always give an overabundance of credit to your assistant coaches, <laughs> um, and I consider her a co-head coach. Yeah, um, she is great at filling in the blanks, and even more importantly, as some of my best assistant coaches have done, they can pull you to the side and say, "Hey." we're missing this, Mm -hmm. you know, this is, this is something I think we're overlooking and we need to step into this. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think you can lead in that, whether it be something with my son or she's making me aware of something with one of my daughters that she's making me aware of. Mm -hmm. And we're communicating constantly about the pros, the cons, what's working, what's not working. Um, because my girls will share things with her, before they'll obviously share them with me.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and and my son tends to come to me more than her. Mm-hmm. Um, and in experience, sometimes I internalize those. Yeah. I have to do a great job of being able to stop and say, hey, Candy, this is something Josh and I are working through. Mm. And she's you know informed and she's aware. I ask her opinion, uh, make sure that I'm on the right path, mm, that she's good. in agreement. And then with her, she does the same thing that, hey, you know, our daughter is saying this or this happened in a sport, you know, just making you aware so that I can come alongside and sit down with her and say, hey, you know, your mom said that this was going on. Yeah, I think it just makes everybody aware that we are intricately involved, Mm -hmm. you know, in what the team just like a coach would be is, it you know, it's about the details, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody can teach. Dribbling and passing and shooting, but organizationally, it's the people that really get and are are okay with getting into the minute details that seem to be the most successful. And so as long as they are willing to accept that and be a part of that, you know, then it works out better for everybody.
1: Yeah. Man. So good. Well, I mean, I've got a couple of questions. I know we can't be here forever, but I mean, (laughs) there's a lot here to unpack. And I think just a couple of the things that I want to try to wrestle through are for those that are listening that maybe don't have kids like you and I in college or about to graduate, but are younger, how do they think about this coaching mindset? How do they get ready? How do they prepare for this? What are some things that you could commission them with?
0: Well, like I had said with me, I I drew from what I do now from those experiences that formed me when I was much younger. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I draw on those experiences. And hopefully most men, you know, have had experiences, positive experiences with either a coach or a Cub Scout leader, Boy Scout leader, you know, youth pastor, somebody that has given them certainly, you know, tangible things that they've picked up and carried with Mm -hmm. them. So I think we all have a coaching mindset um, at some point because it's been instilled or we've experienced it. I think that looking for those opportunities, um, I know with our first child that the expectation was when they get to be teenagers, um, then the expectation is is for parents to kind of withdraw and let them be. So they naturally will do that. They'll go in their room. They have a phone. They have the whole world Mm -hmm. in their pocket. And so they can naturally do that. We learned very quickly, that's not healthy. You know, just like if I was coaching a basketball team, team, I'm not going to throw the ball out on the middle of the court and say, hey, y'all do what you want for two hours. We'll show up on Thursday and play. You know, I have to be involved in what's going on, how it's going on, how the practice is orchestrated, how things are scheduled. And so I think from a coaching mindset is that you have to realize that, you know, every day is is a game yeah. and we have a choice to be involved and to be available and to you know to be able to give those the aspects of the game of the day whether it be to a daughter or to a son um, i think it's just you just have to continuously keep your whistle on you have yeah. to be ready you yeah. know um, and so i think from when i talk to other fathers Um, you know, they're they're, admittedly, they say, well, I checked out in this time period because I didn't think my daughter really wanted me to be around or she was kind of reclusive or my son, you know, really didn't want to do what I was doing or whatever. Mm -hmm. I I think that that's a critical time period where you just have to, you know, I've coached a lot of kids that I didn't think really wanted to play. Mm. You know, but they kept showing up, yeah. and so I'm obligated to coach them. Yeah. And so I'm not expecting everybody to be an all star, but if you're there, then you know my responsibility is to give you something, yeah. and that might be something that's completely off the court. But I've got to give you something, and how more so important is that when it's our own family? Man, that's and, good.
1: That's really good. Well, for those of us that are in this season that are that, okay, I'm, I'm excited. I want to go be a coach. I'm ready to go kick tail and take names. You know, um, what are some things that you would love to see? Uh, where would you like to see us in two to three years if we've been doing this for a while?
0: I'd love to hear some of the stories. Um, just like with you is when I have shared with other men, And then they come back and say, hey, you're not going to believe this. You know, I actually texted my son. We went to breakfast. I told him this. And his demeanor changed. His attitude Mm -hmm. changed. He had a whole different understanding of who I was. Mm -hmm. Um, And that gratefulness that comes from a dad and his son as they kind of bridge that you know, that relationship piece, which is very fulfilling. I'd yeah. love to hear, you know, men that have reached out, um, to their sons that have experienced that or to, to their daughters. I, I think as a husband and as a father, one thing I noticed as my teenage girls were growing is they're, they're hungry for attention mm-hmm. and, you know, there's so many distractions out there that they get competitive uh, yep. relationally. They get competitive um, social media wise. And there's all these you know th- things. And I just was convinced that if I just listen, that my dream and my hope is, is that my girls will gravitate to someone who listens to them. Mm-hmm. Not that somebody is making them compete for their attention. Mm-hmm. And that has proven to be something that has been, you know, very fulfilling to me to have my, you know, my junior in college actually come to me and say, Hey, I appreciate the fact that you had time to listen Mm -hmm. and I have terminated relationships early because I knew this wasn't going in the right direction because he wasn't listening. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for three to five years down the road for men to say, Hey, you know what? I had some good coaches in my, you know, in my lifetime. And yeah, I can, I can coach and I can be, equipped and I can be involved and you know I I don't I'll be the first to say I'm not a great coach mm. but I'm available um and I'll volunteer um and I will be you know in the game as mm. much as they'll allow me to be in the game
1: and that's so, great commission us as we land the plane here for those of us that Maybe our kids are gone. You know, they're a little bit older, maybe twenties, thirties, forties. I don't know, and they're just they're just not in this season where they've been coaching. Uh, you know, what would you encourage us to think about?
0: Gosh, I think with the way we are in our society and our culture today, I love it when older men get plugged back in because they think they're retired from their profession, but they're not retired from life. And some of the guys that I'm starting to see that are coming back into the mentoring programs in the schools, um, getting back involved in youth sports and coaching, pouring back into these kids that some of them are coming from broken homes. Some of them are coming from damaged relationships, but yet they're plugging back in and pouring into kids for eight to 10 hours a week. Um, is so vital and so crucial that I think there's a spot for anybody at any age. Um, and even with their own kids, I've had men that have fractured relationships with their own kids that have in, in basically just picked up some of these things you and I have talked about. Yeah. And there's a lot of forgiveness that is to be had because if, if the boat left the harbor to go back and say, hey, I, I messed some of this stuff up. But I want to have a relationship with my grandchildren. I want to have a relationship with you, whatever that looks like. And being able to kind of reopen those doors um, mm-hmm. is, is a pride swallowing thing, but it's still a coachable moment for yeah. not only the person doing it, the male doing it, but also for the kids um, that, are, that are coming from that perspective.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kelly, this has been encouraging. It's been challenging. I'm grateful that you have been able to share this with us and I'm excited to go be a coach. I hope I hope our <laughs> listeners are as well. So anything else you want to say before we close or?
0: No, I think you're, you're doing a great job. I think the last thing that I would just uh, encourage people to do that, you know, as they explored just the prodigal son story is again, remembering that, you know, good kids make bad decisions, just like good men and women make bad decisions. Mm-hmm. But at the same time is when he returned, he found his coach, his father, his mentor right where he left him. And he mm-hmm. was the anchor of that family. And for me, if that could be said of me in my life, as a coach and a mentor, as a father, then I've done my job and that's all I'm trying to do is I just want to be right where they left me so that when, when they need me, I'll be right there.
1: That's good. Well, thanks again for joining us, Kelly. This has been great. Yeah,
0: you're welcome, man. Anytime. Thank you. Yep. So like with every team that I've coached, they're made up of different personalities, different people. Um, different backgrounds so it is with our children you know I have three children every single one of them is different um, as night and day so as I have coached every team I have had to coach from different perspectives some teams I've had to be more disciplinarian some I've had to be more team bonding you know there's been a lot of gears that have had to switch over the years and and that's what I think I've applied to uh, parenting as they've gotten older is realizing and respecting who they are as a person and then being able to adapt adapt the game or my coaching to that particular child's um, you know needs and what needs attention what needs to be celebrated what's missing
1: personality
0: um, personality all of those things and just trying to plug in you know those gaps to be the, the you know the most effective coach that I can be yeah. just like I wouldn't coach a, a boys football team like I coached a girls basketball team mm-hmm. you know it's just you, there's just not a lot of stuff that's very similar there, other than showing up and having a whistle on. Mm-hmm. Everything else has got to be a little bit different, and and I've had that happen. And I think that um, one example is is I had a great assistant coach that played Division One football, and we were coaching eight U football, and he was going out of his mind because he couldn't get these kids to understand blitz packages. And I was like, you know, we had just a moment, and I said, look at these boys. I said, look at them all getting down in a stance. He's like, yeah, I can't get them to do, Mm -hmm. you know, the stunt packages. or the." And I said, look, what do you see? And he's like, "I I see guys that are not doing what I'm telling them to do. And I'm like, I see underoos. I said, because across their backs were, you know, Spider-Man, Batman. I said, these are six, seven, eight-year-old boys. We have to adapt what we're doing to them being able to understand it. They don't need it. You know, they don't need all of that. We need to translate it to an understandable language that they can tolerate, but then they can implement. And so from a parenting perspective, I think it's as individualized as that. I I can do some things with my youngest that I would never be able to do fruitfully with my oldest
1: daughter. So like the listening was an example with exactly. your middle daughter, correct? right? Like you wouldn't talk to her the way you talk to Josh because Josh, that's not his, his need is for you to listen. His need is to be a kind of autonomous a little bit and, right. and, and try to go do stuff.
0: Correct. Yeah. And my middle daughter, you know, is more like she wants to be valued and heard. Um, and my youngest daughter is more experienced. Like she wants an experience with me that in her mind creates a memory mm. that um, is very meaningful and impactful for her. So for her, it's about going and chasing waterfalls. We started that a couple of years ago and I said, print out all the waterfalls in the upstate and we'll go chase them. Mm. And so every time that I know that something's going on in her life, when she brings a thing to me and says, Hey, can we go to this waterfall? Wow. I know that'll be three or four hours where her and I can talk about whatever's mm. going on in her life from a drama perspective, yeah. from a sports perspective. She plays a couple of sports and for her, it's about getting detached from whatever else is going on in her life and just spending times in the, in the woods. And we're just walking to see a, a waterfall.
1: Oh, that's cool. That's good.